great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hi, everyone. What's going on in the wide, wide world of events? I am Paulina Giusti. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Rachel Andrews and Alyssa Peltier. Thank you for tuning in to the Great Events Podcast. Today, we are joined by a really exciting guest. And before I introduce them, I kind of want to set the stage for how this particular guest has both been a wonderful friend, colleague, and industry partner. So, Rach, jump into this storyline whenever you feel comfortable. But I'm going to set the stage with, okay, it is June 2020, and we have postponed Cvent Connect U.S., at this point to 2021. And we are looking to host a virtual event. And Rach and I are putting our heads together saying, how are we going to do a virtual event? What does the production look like? And Rach, I'll let you talk through that process. Lo and behold, our good friend jumps in like a knight in shining armor to say, we got you. We know it's only two months away, but this is what we do best. <laughs> and boy, did they they help us out. So there's a lot riding on an event, especially when you go virtual or postpone your massive user conference until the next year. So a lot of pressure for Pauline and I to find the right partners and the right way to showcase how we were doing virtual events in, in that environment. So I'll let you introduce him, Paulina, since you were just hanging out. On the heels of SEMA Summit, Alyssa and I happened to be there on site, and we bumped into the one and only Peter Gentile from Ovation. He is the VP of Sales. We are so happy for you to join us. We had so many exciting conversations on site talking about the future of event tech, the future of production, and how those two sort of industries and worlds have collaborated and aligned even more so, particularly in the onset of this hybrid landscape. Would love for you to take some time to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell everyone a little bit about Ovation and some of the services and offerings you guys provide. Good afternoon, Paulina, Rachel, and Alyssa. It certainly is my privilege, and, and I'm just thrilled to, to spend the time with you all. Paulina, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, last week meant so much to me personally and professionally to be back with our friends and colleagues in the world of events. I mean, folks, believe it or not, live events is back. It's turned on and people want to be together. And the part to me that was just so refreshing was reconnecting with old friends, meeting new friends, and really seeing this spirit of collaboration that's alive. I'm really, I, I consider myself very lucky and fortunate to represent Ovation as an organization. We're a event production agency. We're focused on creating unique event programming for our clients in both the live and, and these virtual settings. The world of hybrid now, when we talk about events here at Ovation, it really is the world of events. It's not hybrid or virtual. Understand that you're likely going to have every scenario that's live have a virtual component, whether it is streamed or it's your video on demand strategy and recorded. And the message there is the content is, continues to be king. It's all about the details and it's the sharing of information. And I feel fortunate to be in this conversation with you all today. Because one of the takeaways from SEMA that I had is we have an obligation as partners to really stand together and help these clients who are looking at these moments of importance and try to figure out the best ways to connect those audiences. 
sure, is it dynamic stage designs? Yep. Is it content meant to tell a story? Absolutely. But in the end, it's got to be partners you can turn to who can stand together and deliver those solutions and be responsible, care about the outcomes, care about the people, care about each other. You know, one of the greatest lessons I know I learned as a kid growing up with my parents is kindness is always the answer. And I think today more than ever, that's the message. We just have to be kind to each other. And if we are, and, and it's a privilege, right, to, to support these customers. So again, I'm just thrilled to be here. I, I love spending time with all of you and, and certainly sharing these stories. So thank you for inviting me on. Can I just retweet live events are back and kindness is king? That's it. We're done here. Those are the takeaways. <laughs> Amen to that. Listen, let me, let me just say this. When we, when we interface with people who are planning events, whether they're looking for a technology solution or an idea, they're not looking for a group of yes men or women who are going to walk around and say yes to everything they want. What they want is somebody who will listen, who will be thoughtful, and then help them achieve those outcomes. And it might be a different outcome than they anticipated. But I will tell you the singular answer through the process is, is patience and kindness. And you have to lead that way. Not everybody's going to be that way to you. Not everyone's going to give you the answer you want. Not everyone's going to be as kind in the way that they ask. But if you take a breath and in return you are kind, better things will happen. So it doesn't mean get walked over, but it does mean you know lean in that way. And I think people follow. As we think about taking risks and entering uncharted territory for so many of us in the event professional role. Many people are still kind of dipping their toe into this hybrid event landscape, hybrid event format. And we've had great success partnering with you. And on our virtual events, we've executed a number of hybrid events and we've had so many wonderful learnings, gleaned a ton of best practices on our own. But I'd love to hear from, you know, the production partner view some best practices, learnings that you've seen come out of some of the hybrid events that you've partnered on? The word hybrid is there just because you have to point to something that's different, right? So it's got to have a word. But I think if you think about event programs, whether it's 10 people in a conference room or 10,000 people in a stadium, there's going to be a virtual piece. Like there's going to be folks you want there that can't come. There's going to be an audience that you need to service that can't some reason make it. So I think as we think about events, the one the biggest message is there's a virtual component somewhere, and that either means you've got to plug into a virtual platform, and there's many great ones, Cvent being leading, or you have to really invest in your video on demand strategy. And that doesn't mean just stick a camera in the back of the room and point it at the stage, but like what are the pieces and parts you want to create that drive that content? So I would say really being thoughtful about the experience of either streaming lot of cases, it's they stream the general session, they record everything else. So there's that piece. And then being really deliberate about your content capture and video on demand strategy. And sometimes the message is this, we don't know what the answer is, but we're recording everything. But then having a plan and a path to figure that stuff out. I think it's going to be gone are the days where I, we have clients that come and say, stick a camera in the room and we'll figure it out later. Because 30 days or 60 days later, everything's changed. So you almost have to have a deliberate plan where you say, we're going to record sessions A, B, and C. We're going to have it into little pieces. Alyssa's going to take it and go crazy in social. Rachel's going to take it and do this with the sales team. And in seven to 10 days, we better start seeing outcomes or we're going to trash it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's very old school thinking of just sticking a camera in. We're going to record it for use later. And I can't tell you how many events that I produced back in 2010, 2011, where we would do that. We would record it 
even an internal event and say, we're going to use it later, but there was no post event strategy that I'm not saying that we didn't learn from that. We obviously, we evolved is the biggest thing. Well, and what I found really compelling, Peter, what you were talking about at SEMA was the investment or the the disparity between investment in the general session experience versus the breakout experience. And I think that we've definitely, I would say the industry pre-pandemic had evolved to a place where there was investment that was being put towards the capture in the general session experience, multi-camera, definitely an elevated set experience. But I think what's something that you guys and you specifically were touting was the breakout experience really does make or break the audience experience. And that really is, I think, where I'm seeing the industry shift investment and perspective and changing the experience. And I think that's really where the future is headed is what does the breakout of the quote unquote future look like? It's a fantastic point. And I appreciate you saying that and, and reinforcing it. And the best analogy I can give you is this, right? You watch the Super Bowl this last year and Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre are out there and you can only imagine what that investment was, right? And the outcome, people loved it. But you don't win the game in the halftime. It's quarters one through four, and it's usually the ones in the fourth quarter at the end that finish the game. That's where the score happens. And I look at that like with an event. I get the big moments. A lot of it's ego-driven. Your CEO has to stand on the stage and he or she has to have their moment of time. I get it. You hire Matthew McConaughey. He's not going to go sit in a breakout. He's going to sit on the main stage. Totally get it. That's what drives attendance for people to be there. But those users, particularly in tech conferences, those people who are manning the, the user experience in their company, everything for them is the breakouts. They can't get there fast enough. They can't spend enough time with each other. And I think the thing, what I'm really suggesting and seeing is this. Companies, while I do think they put a lot of thought in those tracks and sessions, they need to be more thoughtful about the information that's shared there. Don't just stand up and show a PowerPoint and a bunch of charts and graphs. Make it use cases that people can grab onto. And maybe think about the sessions being shorter with more time for engagement with those speakers, more conversation, right? So you get more dialogue. And then the last piece, and this is where event automation comes in, is enable those presenters to do what they need to do, which is share really important info and don't worry about the tech. If they walk in with a laptop and they have a last minute thought that they want to show something important, well, make sure the tech in the room supports that so you can enable it. So very quickly with Ovation for us, event automation is the future and it's the present now. It's about making that speaker experience easy and seamless so people can make sure their versions are right and the content is shared. And then enabling the tech in the room that you can scale up or down based on what that session has. And that doesn't, what it really says to you is not everybody has to be the same. So if Alyssa walks in and she says, hey, I just came from a customer and I have a fantastic experience I have to share, but I have to plug a laptop in. Well, unfortunately, what Rachel has to do a lot of times and say, I wish we could, we just, we're not ready for it. We can't upgrade. We now have a solution where that goes away. So making those moments count in breakouts is everything today. Can I ask a controversial question here? This is like what we hear from our peers all the time. And Pauline and I, we talk about hybrid events all the time because of just the reach that it allows and the accessibility of it all. But every time we talk about it, there's someone that raises their hand and says, but what about budget? It's too expensive. I can't do it. And I think to myself, I'm like, there are ways you can do it without it breaking the bank. But I want to hear from you because we hear this all the time. We defend it because we go... Uh, we do this for a lot of our events, but what do you think? I think the truth of the matter is people have to stop being afraid to tell people it's just going to cost more. I'm sorry, it is. If you're going to do a hybrid event, it's going to cost more, period, end of story. Can you do it in an efficient manner? 
Yes. Meaning not everything has to be designed as the Super Bowl halftime. If you want to have interaction with your audience, does it have to mean everybody's camera comes in and out of the room? Could you utilize a chat function? So there's a lot of features and sets that can happen. But here's the thing you have to think about. The minute that you decide to take a singular program and you stack up another program with it, well, now it takes me two hands to do that, right? So it's going to take more. It's going to cost more. You can't utilize the same people, resources, and thinking to do both. Because if you do it effectively, they both have to be managed and monitored. Now, that doesn't mean it's double your budget. Not at all. But if you are, let's say, streaming, let's build an example. We have a live event with three breakouts. General session is streamed. Everybody logs in, watches it. Great. Generally, in that case, you have the same team in the ballroom streaming to the to the virtual. We probably have a person on the switch at the virtual in the stream to make sure that happens. So there's some additional staff. Now you move into your breakout tracks. Maybe you have a tech in each room. But now you've got to have someone attend to each audience member in that room. So again, you can start to build the case that you just need additional resources and support. So the biggest message I'd say is this. Get comfortable with the fact that it just costs more. How much? I don't know. I don't know exactly. A lot of the outcome on cost is going to be based upon the technical requirements. I would always suggest you look for a full service tool like Cvent and the attendee hub where you can really enable that and take advantage of those key functions and resources. And then it's looking at a production partnership where you have the ability to either record and then quickly display or stream directly into that platform so that those virtual attendees can take advantage of it. You're going to have mixed issues when you deal with internal resources like Teams and Zoom and other things. You're going to rely on an IT team that's maybe not used to doing production, but they understand IT streams. So again, make investments in the right places, capable tool, on-site production team, and somebody who's capable of understanding that match, and then find yourself that resource that will help drive that experience. But the end of the story, Rachel, unfortunately, is it's not cheaper doesn't necessarily have to be significantly more, but it's more. It's an investment for what you're getting. There's an opportunity for prioritization of content and experience on the event professional side, right? Understanding, are there ways where not as many sessions need to be streamed, but we're still seeking that sort of diverse format opportunity? I think there's also areas that hybrid allows for us to offset some costs, right? You know, there are paid for experiences that I think people are willing to to do for some of the virtual content consumption if the content is that compelling and if the production is that good. So I think, yes, the investment does increase to your point, but there are ways to navigate it so that it's not so daunting. And Pauline, I'll just add to that two bits of advice I'd give folks when you're trying to think about this hybrid thing. It's a mistake if you're trying to take a live event and absolutely 100% replicate it in virtual. It, it just is because the thing, the truth of the matter is it's just not the same and it's going to cost a ton of money, time and investment to get to a place where you, you ultimately feel dissatisfied. The other thing is because you're doing a virtual program and you have tools and resources, don't feel the need to have to activate every single technology interaction connection point that the tool offers you. I've seen that with customers where they invest in a tool and resource and they spend so much time making sure that every box is checked that they don't focus on the two or three really critical ones like information sharing or audience polling or whatever the thing could be. Don't try to do a hundred things 
in total. Pick a few and really lean into them and make them work. That's how you make that value happen. And I think that's where you get satisfaction from a hybrid experience. We always tell outcomes should drive everything, right? So it shouldn't just be just because it can, you have to. It's more around a strategic decision-making process there. And the tech should only be used in a way that's going to get your outcome. So I just wanted to go back to one of the things that you said earlier, Peter. I This is very selfish of me and much more of a personal tone, but I feel and we talk so much about audiences and making sure the audience expectations are amazing. We talk so much about the event professional support, but that stakeholder group that's very significant, which is your speakers. I think, you know, Rachel, myself and Paulina do a good bit of external speaking now, both virtually and in person. Paulina, I talked about our speaking engagement at SEMA a few weeks ago. And the personalization of that support is something that I think has been very much overlooked. It's been kind of a one size fits all for a very long time. So you mentioned kind of the laptop anecdote, or we always have, you know, somebody running around with the USB or I need to make changes. And it's not always been the most accommodating experience. And certainly for individuals who are maybe stepping onto a stage for the first time in their career, they're trying to elevate themselves or up-level their profiles and oftentimes have been told no. And that's an anxiety-ridden experience. So I just, I wanted to thank you for saying that, that like, hey, we want to make sure that speakers have that feel good too. And they leave with as great of an experience as the attendees themselves, because it is a significant stakeholder group that's impacted for, you know, kind of year over year success. Well, listen, I applaud you for, for identifying that and, and raising it again. Um, outside of the attendee experience, which I'd say is the absolute, right? The attendee experience has to be exceptional because they will, you know, it's raving fans. They'll tell two friends and it will grow. The presenter experience is the absolute 1A number one thing. You're inviting people in often outside your organization and internal, right? Most of those folks, like all of us, we're not professional speakers, but we maybe enjoy it, okay? But when you get into those moments, the most important thing you want is an ease of use, meaning, okay, where do I put my information? What do I do if I have questions? What if I have a change? And am I doing this correct? You know, can somebody be available to give me feedback? And I think for us, one of the things we really identified coming out of this pandemic and the return is how do we enable a process for your presenters that is seamless and efficient for each person? So if they need a lot of support and handholding and, and let's say pre-show guidance, it's available. If they're a pro like Rachel and all they have to do is upload their presenter and you hit go, that's able too. But when they get on site, how do you marry that with, a, with an experience so that people feel like they can step in, they can practice, they can offload their presentation and go away to the event, the evening event and not worry that they're right presentation comes in the room. The other thing that we've identified is if you is you really have an opportunity as an event provider to put the power of these presentations back into the hands of the presenter. So they're not so relying upon a technician in the room to push play. I want those listening to hear that loud and clear because this was sort of that inflection point for me when Peter and I got to talking on site about their new offerings, Marquee and Unify. And to me, someone who is perhaps resource constrained or has this sort of varying degrees of speaker experience, this is something that can truly be a game changer in the industry. So sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to say, listeners, listen harder. I appreciate it. So our two systems, Marquee and Unify, are designed to enable that presenter experience to not only be seamless from the standpoint of uploading their content, making sure their presentation is right, 
But from the moment they step into that room and onto that stage, they're in a position to then drive that presentation and enable that in the room, enable it from a recording standpoint and enable it to stream seamlessly from the push of a button from that laptop. Now, I'm not minimizing or mitigating the idea that staff is necessary to be available to those folks or that technology does not drive that in some way. But as opposed to having one or two staff sitting in every single room times 10 rooms times three days, you now maybe are in to, to cut that by at least two thirds, if not more. And you're able to deliver an efficient process where your presenters are now in charge in a very capable way, safe way, and your attendees get the experience they need. And you as the event professional have given them a process that they can stand to. And now you have the content necessary for your video on demand strategy. So it's a really unique way to look at this experience and drive efficiency, not only in cost and time, but really from a speaker standpoint, give them the white glove service they need to be successful. And there's so many new tools and like we always tout the interactive features. And I mean, we were struggling with trying to leverage polls pre-pandemic. Now we've got chat and we've got Q&A and sometimes there's a mic and sometimes you don't need a mic and all of those like different things to juggle now. And I think the more that, like you say, Peter, we can automate that process and alleviate some of at least the presentation friction, the more they can focus on the engagement opportunity and really reap the most out of that entire experience. What's the worst thing when you're a breakout presenter, right? You walk in the room, you got to hook up your laptop, you pull it up. Now everybody's watching you on the screen. Oh, there's a picture of my kid. Sorry. Oh, there's my video of my dog. You just, you look silly. It's clunky. And if I'm in the audience, I'm like, does this guy have his stuff together? Or what are we doing here? Like, I, I think your kid's cute, but come on, you know? And it just, it enables somebody to come in and just be like, I'm here for business. I got big ideas to talk about. Let's get to it. Well, and then there's the other side of the spectrum where you're the neurotic presenter who shows up, you know, 20 minutes beforehand and the support in the room's not ready for you. And you just feel like you're a little bit, you know, you're too needy. So I think it's great. The event automation kind of conversation is really relevant and it's personal to this group because we do do a lot of speaking. So I think it's a, it's, it's exciting to see what the next frontier looks like. I contend getting this tool in, in uh, living color and action at Cvent Connect is a number one priority for Ovation. So actually, take us through that experience. I'm I'm Joe, speaker Joe, and I, have I been prepped beforehand, enabled, like trained, all of that stuff? But I walk in with my USB or something, considering some people do that, or I upload it to the cloud. Like, make it a little bit more simple for some of our listeners that might be marketers or maybe not in the weeds with like a, a, a an AV proposal and know the intricacies of how we order, you know, labor at an event or, or the screens or the mics and everything. Definitely. Here's the thing I'll tell you. This is an atypical support. So this is not something that you can fill out on a form and say, I need three of these and two of those. This is one of those experiences where you as an event professional have, let's say a series of breakouts and there's no minimum or maximum number, but let's pick one. Let's say you have five breakouts. The typical experience is this. A presenter support producer will be in touch with every one of your presenters with a personal communication. It'll be both an email and a phone call. It'll drive them to a branded platform where they can log in and they have the ability, if they'd like to, to upload their presentation and content prior to arriving at the event or if they're a virtual presenter. On site, we would have a speaker ready room enabled where presenters would be able to come in with their thumb drives, with their information drop off their presentation, run through it top to bottom with a graphics person for review and approval. 
then shared with you, customer, if it's necessary part of your process for your own review and approval. Once that happens, it's then assigned through the cloud to that specific room, one, two, three, four, five, at the prescribed time. So let's say Pauline is presenting on Tuesday at four o'clock. She arrives at 345. She walks into the room. At the lectern is a small box, faces about this big, and it has pictures of the presenters or their logo on the button. You step in, you push the test button. What it does is it activates a loop in the room that's just your logo and your two confidence monitors let you, as the presenter, review your content. Once the time has come for people to then sit and the presentation begins, you push start. Presentation goes to the top slide on the screen. It starts to record and the music in the room goes down. And if it needs to stream, it streams to your location of choice. The person presents using a clicker. They go through their content and their information. Should they have a problem, you push the panic button that's on the system, sends a text to a person who within 30 seconds to 45 is in the room dealing with the issue. Could be the AC, could be the mic, could be something dealt with. It's also logged and reported so we can record all of those technical calls. At the end, you push stop, brings the music in the room back up, brings the logo back on the slide. Your file is then named based on your naming convention of choice and shared in your cloud location of request. And then it can be edited or not. And then you move on to next presentation. And it's all managed through a central network. So that network can be on site at the event. Often it is. It can also be remote. So it doesn't absolutely require somebody to be there or teams of people to be there. But what you will find is in this, let's say, five room configuration, as opposed to having likely five staff plus a technical director, plus a producer, plus several folks networking, you likely have one network person and you have three, three technicians that are floating. And the other thing is, you need one day to activate this. It's about a 45 minute beginning to end setup from testing and configuration, plus enabling all the screens, et cetera. So you don't need to move in on Sunday and then move in on Monday for a Tuesday program. You now come in Monday, you're rehearsing the afternoon or whatever you're gonna do, and then you're there Tuesday. So you've now eliminated an entire day of setup, et cetera. And I can't, listen, I'd love to make promises about shadows and all these other things, we don't have a read on that. It's venue to venue. It's a very specific person that needs to run this system. So it's not an AV engineer who can do anything, but they may in fact require a per, you know one-to-one, but we do our best to mitigate that as necessary. And, and honestly, with the three folks versus the five to 10, you know, now your three becomes six versus 15 to 20. So there's real opportunity to reinvest the dollars in better places. I mean, in this Alexa world, this is getting closer and closer to helping people like be self, more self-sufficient. Well, it is. And, and listen, here's the truth. There may be situations where you say, I understand my presenters can be self-managed, but I don't feel great about it. I want a person in the room. Okay, fine. That's fine. But this doesn't require it. That's, that's the choice it gives you. As an, you know, and again, you may have moments where you feel like the investment in the outcome is so critical. It makes sense. But other times, maybe you don't. And we want to really help make really good informed decisions when you invest dollars. And it doesn't mean that staffing is not one of those, but do you need everything that is sort of usually spelled out? And I would suggest not. Does it need an Alexa-like name, like Ovi? Uh, listen, we'll take it into consideration. Right now, we, we call it Unify, Marquee and Unify. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Not to change your branding on you mid-podcast. I don't not like that. O-V-I-E. It's very like Wally, you know? <laughs> OV off, OV on. 
I have a very serious question, Peter. And my very serious question is, how do I get a panic button in my war room so that somebody can come and bring me things that I need? It's easily done. You know the rules. We just got to we, we got to align ourselves to work together and you get all the panic buttons you want. <laughs> I love that feature. You get all the buttons. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm still mending a broken heart that I'm hoping to repair here one of these days with you ladies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have covered a lot of amazing topics. Can I say one more thing? The last piece that I want to suggest and say is this. I think the days of standalone solution partnerships are over. Every customer that I call now doesn't call me anymore and say, hey, Peter, I need an absolutely terrific stage design in world-class production. That's the ticket to get in the door. They want end-to-end solutions. They're looking for companies or partnerships that can stand up, understand that attendee journey from both the digital and the physical side, and bring the right solutions and tools together. So when I think of those partnerships, Cvent and Ovation and the things that we collectively do, that it's really partnerships like this that are making all the difference. Because the truth is, nobody wants to manage three, four, six, eight, ten different vendors to make one job happen anymore. I have a customer who says it to me all the time, Peter, the truth is I just want one throat to choke. That's it. I want to call you and I want to celebrate or I want to complain and I don't want to listen to the other ten. That's your job. And I think the thing is, um, what it means is we all have to be better about finding ways to work together. And sometimes that means one partner gets 51% of the pie and the other one gets 49. Like it's whatever. It's just, that's how customers are buying now. And I would say to our two organizations, we'd be smart to think of it in that way. And I know for us, it's a real commitment that we want to find better ways to align with teams like CBET. Well, I was going to put you on the spot and ask if you wanted to share any tips or best practices or anything with our unique subset of listeners. But I mean, that was a pretty good way of ending today's conversation. Anything else you want to add to it? I think the only thing that I think is worth suggesting is just a brief discussion about this idea of cost and budget. And I just think it's fair to say this. Things just cost more today. It doesn't mean that things are going to be significantly more. But the best analogy I can come up with is a story I heard the other day about a hamburger in 2019. I don't know what the cost was. It doesn't matter. But whatever the cost was to make and produce a hamburger then, it's 1.5 to 1.65 more now, whether that's materials, people, and the other thing is resources. So the best advice I can give to customers today is this. Be very, very clear about what you need. Be thoughtful about the allocated dollars that you have. If you look across everything in your organization, it just costs more. Doesn't mean it has to be significantly or two times, et cetera, but it's more. And you need to think about that. So saying to someone, I need this because it's what I paid in 2019, it's a tough way to make those things happen. And then I think the last piece of the puzzle is really working collaboratively with your partners to try to identify the right and best resources and drive efficiencies where you can but do everything you can to make that presenter experience seamless and flawless, and you'll have great outcomes for your attendees. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciated the you know exciting dialogue that we all got to have. Listeners, I hope you all enjoyed today's discussion. Hopefully you found some best practices, learned about new offerings, certainly learned about a new amazing industry partner in Ovation. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by Seven. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. 
That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.